Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we're talking about five essentials to prioritizing your time. Every day, it's the same crisis. I can't get it all done. There is simply too much to do. My plate is not just overflowing, it's dripping down into my shoes. And every day I face the same dilemma. If I can't get it all done, how do I prioritize? How do I tell the difference between what I need to do and what is most important to accomplish. No matter who you are or what your situation, if you are female and breathing on your own, this is likely your daily mantra. Every day ends with some amount of guilt and stress about what you did and did not accomplish. I admit it, I am not always a master at distinguishing the difference. I still lapse back into old struggles and habits, but I have learned a few things along the road that jerk me back on track when I stray. Here are five tried and true essentials to prioritizing our time. The first one is to possess the knowledge of what God says is important. Until we familiarize ourselves with what our priority should be and what God says is not appropriate or simply time wasters, we can't succeed. This is not rocket science, but it will still make or break us in terms of productivity and focusing on the right things. What kind of things does God say are important? Seeking His Word, praying, being involved in Bible-believing body of believers, being salt and light to those we encounter, and discipling those entrusted to us. These are just the basics. How they play out in the details of our lives is where it all sort of fans out. But there are some commonalities for what is not important. A focus on hobbies or sports, our own ambitions, our families, spending time on TV, movies, music, any technology that wastes time and energy and resources and of course brings dishonor to God. Basically, anything that pulls us away from doing the very thing God deems important can be categorized here. Knowing what God says is important for us to dedicate the time of our lives toward is the greatest essential for us daily. If you're not sure or crystal clear on some issues, this is what we take to the Lord. Once we have this in order, make a list of your perceived priorities or organize it in your head. This is not number two. It is assumed. I'm going to assume you have already done this as part of this knowledge process. Number two is to stop perseverating over what we perceive to be our priorities and pray over it. You and I are not that smart. We need to call on His divine intervention for this issue. God is a pro at communicating to us exactly what we need. He is for your growth toward godliness. He is for you getting it right. And I so needed this reminder. He wants nothing less than for your life and for my life to be a reflection of His glory and purpose. Of course, He is ready and willing to communicate on this issue of time and priorities. It can be a real problem, not knowing how to get it all done, of exactly what to get done. It is a constant source of frustration to me personally. The demands of others as well as ourselves can be daunting, and the task can be too great. We need to learn from those examples God graciously provides in Scripture. So today, let's take a quick look look at King Hezekiah. He also had a recurring problem. He had already met the demands of an enemy before. It was not the first time. 
But here, he takes his problem in the form of a threatening letter and spreads it out before the Lord. In 2 Kings 19, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. The Word of God gives us permission to bring all that concerns us directly before him. Even the all-consuming, seemingly mundane items. Are we going to keep perseverating in our minds over too much responsibility? Or are we going to spread out our to-do list before him in prayer? Asking for wisdom for how to approach the day or the deadlines or the end of the week or the afternoon. Whatever the impending doom is to you. Bring it before him and spread it out. He will receive it and he will respond. The third thing is to separate the urgent from the important. Everything is not important, even though it might feel that way. President Dwight Eisenhower once was giving a speech where he quoted Dr. J. Roscoe Miller, who is the president of Northwestern University. This president said, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. Frankly, I'm not smart enough to distinguish what is most essential on my list. God, however, is very good at clarifying my muddy waters. Some items demand my immediate attention, like when we're out of bread. Again, <laughs> and we need lunches. Or like when we had to go back to the clinic for another x-ray of my daughter's spine. These are things on my list that can't wait. I have to spend time to buy groceries for my family. I have 10 people in my family who want to eat. More often than not, someone has some sort of appointment. Eventually, the laundry must get done and the floors need to be cleaned. But I'm staring at other things on my list that are also important. They've been prayed over. They are exactly aligned with my calling in ministry and in my roles as a wife and a mother, but I cannot accomplish all of the urgent demands and the important tasks in the next 24 hours. While we've got our list laid bare before him, we need to ask for his wisdom in distinguishing between our important and urgent items. Important activities to me would have to do with our goals and our callings specifically. Urgent things would be activities that demand our immediate attention and are usually associated with other people's goals and needs like the bread or the appointments or things like that. The urgency is in the cost of not dealing with them and the immediate consequences we find might be unpleasant or somehow the situation calls for our attention and we cannot escape it. There are two kinds of urgent, says the Huffington Post. Those things that we could not have foreseen, like a busted water pipe, a flat tire, your six-year-old coming down with a fever, your house and city gets hit by a hurricane, or you get food poisoning. The first is forced upon you. But then there are other things that are also what we would call urgent. But this kind of urgent is because you procrastinated. And now they are urgent because the deadline is upon you and you have no more time or because you just simply mismanaged your time. So you can become under urgency because of that. Now, for those that are unforeseeable, the first things, when the urgent is forced upon you, nothing but the grace of God is going to help us through those. We need to remember that He is able. God has done it and will do it time and time again. In fact, we see how He miraculously rescues Hezekiah from the impending doom that was promised in the letter that He laid before the 
Lord. And uh, the next verses in 2 Kings 19, Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria. He says, Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come into my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. This is God speaking about this enemy coming against Hezekiah. And in the next verses, he says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way he came, by the same he shall not return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. God is able to deal with the urgent things that pop up and remain in our midst and threaten to thwart our progress and maybe a sense of our very survival. He is not on my timetable and he's not on yours, but he is able. Do not lose heart and don't quit. Now, a side note to the procrastinators in my midst in light of the second part, number two, when things were not urgent but are now quite so (laughs) because of our own doing. There are sort of two kinds of procrastinators out there. Those who simply don't know how to get started or don't want to, but also those perfectionists who know it can't be their absolute best, so they wait too long to get started on it, or they just run out of time perfecting the other 5,000 things they're doing to get to this one. Girls, we have so many layers of issues on this business of time. I want to look at one other place that should give us a word of warning here on this issue. Judges 1, starting in verse 27, the main heading communicates the gist. If you have a Bible that gives you headings, or even on your phone, that tells you the heading in mine says, Failure to Complete the Conquest, beginning in verse 27. Let me just hit the high points. So, verse 27 says, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of blah, blah, blah. Then 29, and Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, blah, blah, blah. Verse 30, Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of blah, blah, blah. Verse 33, Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants. These are all the tribes that were given the responsibility to go in and take the promised land. They didn't complete the task they were given. It's just that simple. God gave them a land. We know the instructions that came with the promises from several places. Here is one that's in Deuteronomy 4.1 And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. The land was given to them. They just didn't take it. Maybe they were like me with good intentions. Oh, they planned to take it and they had 39 different interruptions that came every day. Urgent requests, filling their days and stealing their attention. Then Maybe some of their equipment broke, (laughs) or maybe people they were counting on abandoned them, or maybe the season for going to war came and went again. Then they were out of shape and had to get back into shape, and there were more setbacks and more disappointments, and maybe they too were hit by a hurricane or some natural disaster, left with nothing but studs and rafters and dirt floors. Priorities take a shift, or pretty soon life just gets comfortable and easier the way it is, not taking the promise 
promised land. If we are not careful, we are going to unintentionally miss our opportunities, allowing the urgent and the less important to squeeze into the center of our calendars. Therefore, we absolutely must come before the Lord, like Hezekiah, in our proneness to procrastinate, regardless of the reason, being thrust into the urgent and pray. That was step two. He will be faithful, separating the urgent from the important. It is a God-directed work. This is where our yielding time in prayer comes to life through our actions. We have now asked Him to pinpoint the top priorities. Now it is safe to then look over the list. Now we can rest in confidence that God will do what we've asked. Now we can face the ultimate question. What absolutely must be done above all else? And proceed throughout the day in an attitude of prayer, discerning what to do with the time. Let me just tell you, it won't come without a fight. Let me just assure you, you're going to have to fight for every stitch of property and promised land you're going to take. Don't think it's going to be easy. A lot of days, I don't always have the feeling I have spot on made the perfect decision either. I have to trust him that I'm listening and able to hear him, that he's faithful to me. Sometimes the list gets done. Other times it doesn't. But even when there are still things left undone, I can reject the feelings of guilt that I'm not enough, that I can never do enough. Instead, I have the freedom to relax about the things that are unchecked because that's my list. It's not his list. Knowing that the Lord is in charge of prioritizing my time, that he assured me that we got the things done he needed done. It's his day. It's not my day. The next thing to do is a natural outpouring of number three. And this is number four, to start living in your specific calling. The best advice I ever received was Craig Rochelle looked me in the face, took me aside one time and said, let other people do what anybody can do so that you can do what only you can do. And I had to let that sink in for a while to really catch a glimpse of what he was saying to me. What does he mean when he says that? And what does it require? Well, I need to know what I can do that no one else can do. It also requires knowing what those things are that I need to stop micromanaging. It often is a lot of work up front to teach people around me to take over some of that work that anybody can do. Once I can identify that and that no is currently helping me with. (laughs) Finally, it requires enlisting help, consistent help, reliable help, help that is actually helpful so that it truly does free me up to do what only I can do, which requires me to possibly lower some of my very high and hard to reach sometimes standards. So you can see how it would be difficult to reach that goal, to let other people do what anybody can do so that I can do what only I can do and you can do what only you can do. But it's very much worth it when it works. For me in my life, there really are too many penguins on the iceberg. If I don't operate in this number four area, I'm going to drown. I would never write or speak or develop any new material, period. My calling would be sitting underdeveloped on a shelf somewhere in a shoulda, coulda, woulda land. Please heed this great advice and start living in your specific calling. Finally, I want to offer you some odd advice. It's odd coming 
came from me, but it fits here. Become a finisher, completing the good, letting go of the great. I may only be talking to a subgroup of people, but stay with me and see if any of this rings true in your spirit. And please give me a little grace here to preach to myself. At all times, I call multitudes to pursue excellence. Never settle for good. Go for great. But not here. Not in this single example for this particular group of people. These super creative types with hundreds of ideas flowing at once with sticky notes and half-filled file folders or closets with partially completed projects and minds filled with ideas you truly believe God has given you to pursue and complete for His glory. I'm not talking about crafting for a hobby or something you like doing in your spare time. We're talking about focused callings, pursuits that remain unfinished while you continue to cycle in and out of holy discontent, disappointment in yourself, and a struggle to believe what your calling truly is because you can't seem to pull it all together. On that particular project or task or team, dream, or idea, if you could just tweak it or change this other part or had two more weeks for this one element, it could be awesome. This is exactly where the rubber meets the road in my life. Sometimes I look around at other people sort of doing what I'm trying to do who seem to be doing it better in my estimation. I see them as they appear to effortlessly get more done more efficiently and therefore are walking in their specific callings. I can often find a caveat like, well, she doesn't have eight kids or they didn't just experience a hurricane and move and a herd of children into a new city or something like that. Until recently, I saw someone online doing sort of what I'm doing with a horde of children. Okay, so maybe they didn't just go through a hurricane and y'all, but you know the drill. I'm sure some of you have found yourself reflecting on this comparison merry-go-round as well. If this sounds familiar, you may suffer from perfectionistic tendencies. Though they make us achieve more and better than we ever would have without them. These traits are going to choke us out of fruitful completions if we do not heed sound advice. Remember when Moses was out in the desert wilderness with the Israelites? His father-in-law heard of all God had done to deliver them out of Egypt and came with his family to pay Moses a visit. After a observing his daily routine. This was his assessment in Exodus 18, 17 through 19. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. And he goes on and gives him some advice. You and I periodically need outside voices to overpower our own tendencies toward excellence and that can-do cavalier spirit. There are times when what we are doing is not good and will only wear us out. Receive the outside voice calling us to completion. The problem is people who expect excellence of themselves and others have difficulty with completion. Here is some good and sound advice I am preaching to myself in this area. A good idea fully executed is better than a great idea that never gets finished. Here is some practical execution of what that could look like. Take the important task you have prioritized. Set a time limit on how much time it will take you to get it finished. Put it in your phone. Tell a family member or a friend. Make it real. Keep moving until this one idea or one project is finished. Give it a rough going through rather than perseverating at every turn and pothole. Keep moving to complete it. For me, what this looks like is selecting an idea quickly, getting the outline together, and generating the rough draft. Clean it up, create the graphics, publish it, whatever it is, and publicize it. That might sound simple, but what normally happens is more complicated. It takes weeks 
or months to select the perfect idea with the ideal subheadings, and don't get me started on the graphics. That could take at least two weeks if I already know what I want to do. By then, I have another idea, possibly three or ten at one time started for various kinds of projects. All, I believe, are to be completed as a priority. I may put this one on the side to work on something else. In fact, I know I will. My mind is running about six months to a year ahead of the rest of me. It's excruciating. Plus, the phone will buzz with some other deadline or possibility. Don't allow this to happen. Remain focused. Don't chase the rabbits. Write the new idea on a sticky note and put them aside. I use pretty file folders. It helps keep me organized and it beds down my urges to jump from topic to topic. Save the new improved version of what you are doing right now that would require you to regroup and be delayed for weeks for the next time. Don't give in to perfect. Please settle for good. Settle for good until it's finished and you have extra time to make those adjustments. Don't do it now. Complete the task. I want to show you why this push to finish is so important. I really needed to see this. We find it from the Old Testament to the New. It doesn't take any stretching of the text or imagination to see how connected and intertwined fulfilling our callings are with finishing the task he has laid out before us. One example comes from Exodus 39:32. Thus, all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. That's one example. 1 Kings 7:40. He also made the necessary wash basins, shovels, and bowls. So at last, Haram completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of the Lord. So he finished that job. 2 Chronicles 7, 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. And then we find Paul who says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And then we have something that just wrapped all over my heart from Jesus himself declaring to his father in John 17, 4, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus brought glory to his father because he knew what his calling was and he finished it. Finishing the important task on our list because they're God-ordained tasks, even if it means settling for good to get it finished, to get past all the setbacks and all the darts of the enemy, rather than leave it incomplete, to try to keep perfecting it because those can be darts of the enemy too, maybe holding us back. When we consider the time available in our 24-hour day and our list of tasks and responsibilities. If we know the work God has given us to do, let us not be robbed of bringing him glory on earth by failing to complete the work because our vision was too clouded by less important urgent or too many rewrites, unfinished better ideas, or possible improvements that were never actually made. Instead, may we become women who possess the knowledge of what God says is important, stop perseverating over what we perceive to be our priorities, and choose to pray over everything so that God can discern for us instead what is important to him. May we separate the important from the urgent as a result of this praying. May we start living in our specific callings. And if God is willing, may we become finishers, completing the good and letting go of the great when finishing or not finishing is at stake. May God supply all that we need to accomplish all he desires using everything he provides in his timing. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. 
You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.